This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Lord God, we just still our hearts at this moment. We prepare ourselves, Lord, for your word that will come. We pray that the Holy Spirit will open our eyes and our ears that we may receive and that we may become doers of your word, not just hearers only. So, Lord, this morning as we share, we pray that the Holy Spirit will take this word and plant it into our hearts, make a difference in our lives, and cause us to rise up and be the men and women and boys and girls that God intended us to be in this house for his honor and his glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Come with me, please, this morning to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We are going to continue the theme that we did last week called The Comforter Has Come regarding the Holy Spirit. And so we want to begin this morning, Romans chapter 8, reading verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Dr. Ralph Earle, in his New Testament studies, he said that uh, it literally means, for as many as are led by God's Spirit, these are God's sons. And it's very emphatic, this statement means that those who are led by God's Spirit have the character and the nature of God's sons. They not only belong to the family of God, they act like they belong to the family of God. By the way, ladies, uh, do not be uh, in any way put off being called the sons of God because us men, like you women, are the bride of Christ. All right, so don't let that put you off. When I call us the sons of God, that's fine. That's scriptural and biblical. Last Tuesday night in our home group, uh, as we would be at any rate discussing the message of the Sunday before, we were talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, I I said something just in passing in reference to the Holy Spirit. And since then, it's caused me to meditate and dwell upon what I actually said. What I did say was this, I think the Holy Spirit is more willing to lead us than we are willing to be led. I think the Holy Spirit is more willing to lead us than we are willing to be led. Of course, as God's sons, we should be willing to be led by God's Spirit. We would like to think we are willing. The greater part of us would most likely aspire to be willing to be led by God's Spirit. After all, we are the family of God. But when it comes right down to it, are we actually really willing to be led by God's Spirit? Jesus, the Bible says, the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and 40 nights, to be among the wild beasts, and to be personally, literally tempted with the devil himself. Now, in his humanity, in his human sensibilities, I have no doubt that he would not have wanted to go there. 
But because he was led by the Spirit, he did go there. And he went there not just for him, but for us to show us how to handle temptation and so forth. Now, what if the Spirit of God was to lead you from hearth and from home to a foreign nation in order to be a missionary? Would you be willing to be led? What if the Spirit of God led you to give a sizable amount of your hard-earned cash to the kingdom of God, would you be willing to do that? What if the Spirit of God led you to give up the career or the business that you love so dearly in order to go into God's work full-time, would you be willing to be led and actually to do that? What if the Spirit of God led you to break off a friendship or relationship with someone because down the road it was going to hinder your walk in the kingdom of God? Would you be willing to do that? You see, as long as the Spirit of God leads us to do something that appeals to us, that satisfies our desires, that's not too inconvenient, that perhaps makes us feel warm and fuzzy, well, of course, that's a no-brainer. Of course we would do that. But what, when the real test comes, if the Spirit of God leads us to do something that requires a real sacrifice of our time, or a sacrifice of our finances, or a sacrifice of our personal space, would we be willing to do that? A friend of mine, a former pastor, who went to Bible school in Portland, Oregon, uh, to Bible Temple, which uh, for many years the pastor there was the late Dick Iverson. And he said he went there for about three years and, and stayed there for another few years after that. And he says he got to know Pastor Iverson very, very well, very personally. And he said he told me one time, he said, whenever I get to know my Bible students very well, he says, I test them. And here's how I test them. He says, I asked them to do something that I know they won't want to do. I asked them to do something that I know that they really just wouldn't like to do this. And he says, I test them to see would they be obedient. Because down the road, he said, the Spirit of God was going to test them too to see if they'd be willing to be obedient to his commands. So, actually... Just being led by others is, is, is problematic for most of us. And whether that's the group dynamic of family, whether that's the group dynamic of the workplace or in the classroom or even in church, most of us harbor feelings of, I prefer my way. Even though we may not say that, but in our hearts we think this. If I was in charge, here's what I would do. If I was running that business, I know the things I would change, you know. If those were my kids, if she was my wife, if he was my husband. And, and that's a very human tendency that all of us has, and it plays into our spiritual lives. If the Holy Spirit leads us in a way that, that seems right at the beginning to feel uncomfortable, then we find our flesh begins to resist. We, we stall, we, we bulk at it, we, we argue against it because the flesh and the spirit are not very good bedfellows. There's always going to be the tension between the two. 
But the quicker we are to surrender to the Spirit, the quicker we are to say yes, then it'll be better for us, and it'll be better for the kingdom of God. And so in our Christian walk, as we walk along the, the road with the Lord, the quicker we learn to respond to the Spirit and say yes to His leading, His guidance, the better it's going to be for us and the better it's going to be for everybody around us, actually. So let us talk a little bit about the Spirit of God this morning. First of all, we can always, always trust the Holy Spirit. Always. He will never, ever lead you down a wrong path. He will never take you astray in any way because he's the spirit of truth. In John 15, 26, Jesus says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. John 14, 16, and 17. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another Helper, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. John 16, I have still many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. And so again and again and again, Jesus was reinforcing the idea in the disciples' minds, you can trust the Holy Spirit. I'm going away. He already told them that. I'm going back to the Father, but I'll not leave you as orphans. So from now on, you will have to trust the Holy Spirit. I won't be here in the flesh, but you'll have to trust the Spirit of God. And so the Holy Spirit will always lead you in the right way. He'll always read, read, lead you at the right time for the right reason. So you can always fully trust God's Holy Spirit. Why shouldn't we trust God's Holy Spirit? We can't see him but we can trust him because Jesus said he's the spirit of truth. And as the spirit of truth, he can do no less than lead us and guide us into all truth. The devil is the father of lies and he can do no less than lead us down a wrong path. That's his nature to do that. But the Holy Spirit's nature is to lead us on the right path in the right way at the right time. His timing for our lives will always be perfect. Always. Even if we know the what God has for our lives, we don't always know the when God has for our lives. And if you don't know the when God has for your life, even though you know the what God has for your life, then it can be very frustrating. Even though you're absolutely confident, this is what God wants me to do. This is where God wants me to go. This is what God wants me to be. Even if you're assured of that, but you don't know when that's going to work out. You don't know when that's going to happen. Then it can be very, very frustrating. And so that's when you need to trust the Holy Spirit. When you don't know when it may happen, you have to trust the timings of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now let me remind you of something that we've said on occasion. There's a couple of words that's used in the, in the Bible regarding time and timing. And the two words are chronos and kairos. Chronos and kairos. Uh, let me give you an example. In Acts 1, 6 and 7, 
Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times, and that word is chronos, or the seasons, and that word is kairos, which the Father has put in his own authority. 1 Thessalonians 5.1 But concerning the times, the chronos, and the seasons, the kairos, brethren, you have no need that I should write unto you. Now Jesus lived his life in the rhythms of God, and he had a very real sense of the timings of God. Uh, he knew when to do what he needed to do. He knew the exact moment to do it because the Holy Spirit continually led Jesus. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. He had the fullness of the Holy Spirit without measure. So everything he did was by the impulse of the Holy Spirit. And so the very timings of his whole life was guided by the Spirit. There's pivotal times, and there's pivotal times in our lives too. Remember the wedding feast of Cana of Galilee? He said to his mother, my hour has not yet come. Now he was thinking ahead at that moment. He was thinking there's going to be a, a wedding feast. <laughs> and he will be the bridegroom at that feast. But he says, my hour has not yet come. And then in John, uh, seven, John chapter 7, uh, in John chapter 7, uh, this is where there's a, a little bit of a confrontation with his brothers. And it was regarding the Feast of Tabernacles. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. And his brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples may, also, may see the works that you're doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Now his brothers were being quite sarcastic here. His brothers did not believe. In fact, until the resurrection, his brothers, his sisters, did not believe that he was the Son of God. Amazingly, even though he lived with them for 33 years, and even though they saw him every day, and they saw his perfection, they saw his righteousness, his holiness, the way he lived, the way he acted, the words he spoke, and the miracles that he did, in spite of all of that, they did not believe that he was the Son of God, that he was truly the Messiah. So they're being a bit sarcastic here. They're saying, well, if you really want to do the big time, if you really are the Messiah, they were saying, and you want, to, you want to expose yourself in a big way, why don't you go to Judea? Why don't you go to Jerusalem? I mean, that's where it's all happening. You know, you're out here in the backwaters. You're out here in, in Galilee. And why don't you go to the big city and really show yourself there? And then everybody will believe in you. But they're saying that because they did not believe him. So they're just being sarcastic. Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. In other words, you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, so your time's always ready, because you don't really care about the timings of the Holy Spirit, the timings of God in your life, so whatever you do, you're always ready, because it doesn't mean anything. That's what he said. The word cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify of it that its works are evil. You go up to this feast. I'm not yet going up to this feast. 
My time has not yet fully come. And when he said these things, he remained in Galilee. Notice that Jesus was not going to do anything until he felt prompted by the Holy Spirit. Then he also went up to the feast. At some point later, he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said he is good. Others said no. On the contrary, he deceives the people. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. Now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? Here's a man who never sat at the feet of any of the great rabbis, and yet he knows the Bible inside out. And they were amazed at that. And Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. If any man wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it's from God or whether I speak on my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? So why do you seek to kill me? The people answered and said, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work, and you all marvel. Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not it was from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses should not be broken. Are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? He's referring, by the way, to the pool of Bethesda when he healed the man at the pool of Bethesda on the Sabbath. And it started such an unholy row among the religious people. And he's saying, listen, he said, you would circumcise on the Sabbath day. You would break the law to circumcise on the Sabbath day to keep another law. And he says, so what was wrong with me healing somebody on the Sabbath day? Was that not a better thing? But of course they hated him. So he says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Now some of them from Jerusalem said, is it not he whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? Whoever we know where this man is from, and, but when the, Christ, when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. Then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, saying, You both know me, and you know where I come from, and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Therefore they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. Jesus lived his life in perfect harmony with the timings of God because he was led by the Holy Spirit. Would that we would be like that every day, but we're not. We're not because often it's our flesh wins out rather than the Spirit. Isn't that true? But not so with Jesus. And so the timings of the Holy Spirit are always perfect. And Jesus over and over and over again demonstrated he was working to a different timetable. The two words chronos and kairos, let me just quickly again just explain these two words. Chronos is where we get chron chronicle from and chronography and a chronograph, which is a, a watch, a timer. Chronos means duration of time. Kairos is a fixed time, an appointed time. Chronos is the passing of time. Kairos is a right time, a proper time. 
If Kronos is length of time, then Kairos is a favorable time, an opportune time. If Kronos is a moment of time, Kairos is a moment in time. I'll say that again. If Kronos is a moment of time, Kairos is a moment in time. If Kronos is a period of time, Kairos is a point in time. If Kronos is quantity of time, Kairos is quality of time. If Kronos has to do with the totality of your life, then Kairos has to do with the timings of your life, your due seasons, your divine appointments, those moments when your hour comes. So all the duration of our lives on earth is Kronos times. But in that duration of time, there are moments. There are Kairos moments. There are divine appointments. There are special moments. Your hour comes. You may wait and wait and wait and wait and pray and pray and pray and pray. And then suddenly, in a moment, things change. That's a Kairos time in the Kronos of time. And so when you look at Jesus' life, you'll see that's how he lived. 33 and a half years. But there's those special Kairos moments when he acted, when he did things, when he said things at the right time, at the right place, to the right person. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. In Acts 1 and 7, the disciples asked, when will you restore the kingdom to Israel, basically, because that's what they were wanting and waiting on. And he says, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. In other words, this is none of your business right now. And then later on, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, they were wanting to know when the Lord was going to return. And basically he said, you didn't need to know that right now. You don't need to know the exact moment right now. You're not to know that right now. That's out of your hands right now. Just be watching, just be waiting, just be ready, but you'll not know the right exact moment. And so the timings of God are very important in our lives. Psalm 31, 15, my times are in your hands. When I look back at the Kairos, Kronos times of my life in this house, we just celebrated 40 years, which is a long time. It's a duration of time. It's a long period of time. But when I look back, because I keep a diary, when I look back, and if I read through my diaries, I can see special moments, different times for this or for that or for the other Moments when God broke through. Moments when he did something that I've been praying for for years. Moments of time. Kairos times during all of that period. And your life's no different. If you stop to think and you look back in your Christian experience, you'll see special moments. You'll see moments. That may be when you were filled with the Holy Spirit. You had an infilling. That may be when you were water baptized. That may be whenever you led somebody to Christ. That may be when you got a breakthrough in your life, physically or spiritually or financial, whatever. You can see all those Kairos times. And it's easy sometimes looking back and seeing it, isn't it? You know, hindsight's always 20-20 vision, isn't it? And you look back and say, God was there. God broke through. The Lord did that for me. That was the moment that changed. 
Those are Kairos moments. Jesus' birth even was sent in the fullness of time. His death in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. On the resurrection, on the third day, according to the scriptures. So everything was scripted by the Holy Spirit in Jesus' life. And he followed it right to the letter. He followed it right to the letter. It requires faith and trust to be led by the Holy Spirit. It requires faith and trust. Galatians 6 and 9, you shall reap in due season if you do not lose heart. Sometimes you can't see, sometimes you can't feel, sometimes you can't hear, and all you got to do is trust and say, Lord, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to lead me and to guide me and to help me through this or to do this or to be there or to go there, whatever the case may be. And whenever you do, then you're trusting the right one. You're trusting the one who knows exactly what to do and how to do it and when to do it. So Kairos times in your life are very, very important. And they're instructed and they're led by the Holy Spirit. So thank God for the Holy Spirit today. Thank God he's in our lives leading us. Sometimes we're very aware of it. We're very, we see it, we know it, we feel it. Other times we don't, but we still trust him because he does it. And thirdly, whatever, whatever he calls you to do, he will empower you to do it, whatever that may be. So if God asks you to do something for his kingdom, the Holy Spirit will empower you to do it. Uh, it's almost a case of every time the Holy Spirit wants you to, to do something, it's almost a case of almost every time you feel, I'm not ready for that. I, I don't think I'm able for that. I, I'm not sure I've got the ability for that. But those are the times when the Holy Spirit will give you the ability, will help you, will empower you to do it. And that means you're counting on God. You're not counting on yourself. Because if we can do everything by ourselves, then we don't need the Holy Spirit. But we can't. So we need him. We need his guidance. We need his power. We need his ability. We need him to enhance what we have got. We need all of that. It's two important words regarding power in the New Testament. You'll find one in Acts 1 and 8. In Acts 1 and 8. Remember what it says in Acts 1 chapter 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me and then it goes on, he mentions the various places to be a witness. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And in John 1 and 12, John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the children of God. And it says the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. So the word in Acts 1 and 8 for power is dynamis, which comes from, we get the word dynamite and dynamo and dynamic from, a self-generating power. Dynamis. 
The word in John 1 and 12 is exousia, which is the authority or the right, the legal right to be common, to be called the children of God. When you became born again by God's Spirit, God gave you the legal right to be called a child of God. An absolute legal right. Nobody can take that away from you. So exousia means right, and dynamis means might. And Acts 1 and 8, but you shall receive power, dynamis, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So Christ gives us, gives us the right to be called his children, but the Holy Spirit gives us the might to live as his children. Do you have the right to be called a child of God, but the Holy Spirit gives you the, gives you the might to live as a child of God? The Holy Spirit gives us Christ gives us the authority. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability. Christ appoints. The Holy Spirit anoints. Now, let's just look at Acts chapter 1 again, just for a few moments, just a couple of verses here. Acts chapter 1. Say, reading from verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witness to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now consider for a moment, this is literally just less than six weeks since Jesus went to the cross. When those disciples were absolutely devastated, frightened, became cowardly, and deserted Jesus wholesale. And these are the same men that we're now going to turn the world upside down. <laughs> the same men. If you were going to pick 12 men to turn the world upside down, you wouldn't have picked one of them. I wouldn't have picked one of them. But Jesus knew exactly who he had. He knew their weaknesses. He knew exactly what they were like. But he knew that in just a few days' time, 10 to be exact, when the Holy Spirit would come upon them, they would be radically changed. And they would turn their world upside down. And the world has never been the same since. And that was because of the Holy Spirit who did that. And so here are these men who are in hiding and fear of their lives. And Jesus is saying, go into Jerusalem and go to that room and wait until you be endued with power from on high from the Holy Spirit. Now, he did not mention Pentecost. Did you notice that? He did not tell them exactly how long to wait. He didn't say in 10 days when Pentecost comes. He says, not many days from now. So in that 10 day period, when they were in that upper room, they had no idea when the Holy Spirit was going to come and endue them with power. But they had to wait 
and they had to be obedient and they had to be patient and they had to do what the Lord commanded them to do. And when they did that, and then it just so happened, Jesus knew exactly when the Holy Spirit was coming. He knew exactly it would be in the day of Pentecost. He knew the exact hour of that day it would happen. But they didn't. But when it happened, when the Holy Spirit came, then their whole lives were radically changed forever. Jesus told them the what of their lives that would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth. But they didn't know, didn't know exactly the when other than not many days hence. And so we can trust the Holy Spirit because he will never leave us, lead us on a wrong path. He will always lead us into truth. He'll always lead us into the right way at the right time for the right reason. We can trust the timings of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It will always be perfect. It will always be the right time. Amen. Even though we're very impatient, aren't we? Even though we cannot hardly wait, but we have to learn to trust and wait on his timing because that's when we make our mistakes. We go ahead of God, don't we? We get ahead of ourselves. And that what happened to Abraham and Sarah. They got ahead. They wouldn't wait. <laughs> so they thought, we'll help God out here. This is not going to happen, so we'll have to do something. And that caused major problems even to this day. But we're no different. We don't want to wait. We want it right now. Especially if you feel, I know what God wants for me. That's the hard part, to wait on the timings of the Holy Spirit. And whatever he calls you to do, whatever it may be, be assured he will empower you to do it. He will. I guarantee it. And it'll be his strength you'll do it in. So do not be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Do not be afraid of his calling in your life. Do not be afraid of his timings in your life. Do not be afraid that he'll, you'll be weak. You'll not be able to do it. He will empower you at the right time to do what he needs you to do. And you can absolutely trust the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We need your help every day. We need your power. We need your guidance. We need your wisdom. We need what only you can do in us and through us. And so we surrender ourselves afresh and say, Holy Spirit, take our lives, our very lives, all of our lives, and use them for the glory of God. Do with us what you plan to do with us. Thank you that you will use your ability through us to touch the lives of others. Thank you that we're learning to trust you every day. We're learning to believe that you will lead and guide us. And so we give you thanks today. Thank you, our Father, for sending your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you did not leave us as orphans. You did not leave us comfortless. You did not leave us without a helper and a guide. But thank you that you sent your Spirit who resides within each of us who know you and love you. And so we bless you and we give you thanks for that. In Christ's name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal. 
or visit our website for more information www.mpc.org.uk